Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is the 365 Bible Reading Plan. Today is November the 26th, and our chapter for today is Hebrews chapter 1. Now, what I want to do is encourage you to listen to all of the podcasts on the book of Hebrews. Read all the commentaries, because there is no way in just 15 to 20 minutes a day in each one of these chapters and in the short commentaries that I write to send to you, there is no way that I can cover the vast amount of material that are in these verses. So what I'm going to try to do is just give you a running homily, a message as it were, a commentary the best I can on the verses. We're not going to cover every chapter as you know. Out of over the 1,000 chapters that there are in the Word of God, in the Bible, all I can do is cover just a few of those in 365 days. And so I'm doing the best I can to help you to get the great story of God. And we cannot forget that, that the whole purpose of the 365 is not to give you just vignettes and little glimpses of a chapter here or a chapter there, but remember why we started 11 months ago, almost 12 now, we are about to finish up the book of Revelation in the closing days of December, and this year has flown by. We need to remember the reason that I chose 365 key chapters, just one chapter a day, is to get us into the habit of reading the Word of God every day. My heart is so set on discipleship and helping people understand that a life with Jesus is not a one-time decision, but that decision to turn from our own selfishness and our own selves and to turn to God with everything that's within us and to truly repent of our sin and give our heart and life to Jesus and by the grace of God receive the gift of salvation that God offers in Jesus Christ the Messiah. He is our Messiah. He is our Christ. He is our anointed one. He is God's anointed one to the entire world. And those who trust in him will be saved. And so as we go through this book, we're going to learn much about how God prepared the world through the rituals and sacrifices and all of the covenants and everything that God did through the Jewish people to get them ready for Messiah and to get us ready and to get them ready to share with us. And so we're going to start through the book of Hebrews, which is the most Jewish of all the books. It's fascinating because the writer of the book of Hebrews is never mentioned. I personally believe it was the Apostle Paul's theology, but I believe it was more than likely Luke, 
a dedicated physician that was with the Apostle Paul and was his personal physician, his amanuensis, that is like someone that we would call a secretary, but an administrative assistant, someone who knew the Apostle Paul's heart, had been with him, knew the language. Remember, Paul probably spoke fluently at least four languages, and Luke, being the person, the student that he was and the researcher that he was, he more than likely studied the Septuagint because it is the Septuagint translation that the book of Hebrews is translated from, not the Hebrew scriptures, but the Septuagint. And this was a translation of the Hebrew scriptures that came about during the days of the intertestamental period when the Greeks were in control and Ptolemy, one of the generals that had been under Alexander and had occupied what we call Egypt and the city of great renown during that time, Alexandria, Egypt, where the largest library in the world was housed. And that's due primarily to the the writing material, the papyrus, that was readily available there. And so Ptolemy requested that the Jewish rabbis put together a Greek translation of the Hebrew Scriptures, and that was known as the Septuagint. Out of tradition, 70 scholars in 70 days, they translated the Hebrew Scriptures It was matching when all of them translated the scripture. They all came out alike. We have few records of that, but the reality is that the Septuagint is quoted many times in the New Testament as well as the Hebrew scriptures, but the book of Hebrews more than likely was translated from that, from all that I can read and translate. Many of the passages I know are from the Septuagint because they differ just a bit from the Hebrew translation of the scriptures, the original Hebrew of what we call the Old Testament. And so remember, the New Testament hadn't been written yet. So I believe that this was written by Luke. It was the Apostle Paul dictating that and his theology that he wrote. He wrote to the Hebrews. And what the whole purpose of the book of Hebrews is to show the superiority of Jesus that he supersedes any ritualistic, any sacrificial, any worship system. He is greater than angels. He's greater than the new covenant is greater than the older covenant. Not that it did away with that in the sense of discarding everything that had to do with the law and had to do with instruction. But what it did do is it brought it to completion. It brought it to fulfillment where all the shadows, all the types, all of the rituals were brought to fulfillment in Jesus. Now, that doesn't mean that everything that is prophesied about Messiah was fulfilled. That's simply not the case. Simply because as you read all of the Old Testament prophets and the prophecies even in Torah about Messiah, you will see that many of the things that are prophesied, yea, most of the things that were prophesied about Messiah, will not take place until the future. That's right. The first coming of Jesus when he came to pay for our sins and to die as a substitutionary atonement, 
That was only a portion of the prophecies. The vast majority will be fulfilled in the days ahead, specifically concerning the time, the messianic age that we call the millennial kingdom. And so there was great concern of the writer of the book of Hebrews because many of the Jews had lived their entire life waiting for the Messiah. And when the coming of Jesus and his sacrificial death and what happened at Pentecost, when that happened, many of the Jews, they did not like and ostracized those who became followers of Jesus and trusted that indeed he was the Messiah. Many families were separated, and this is exactly what Jesus said would happen. And it did happen. Look at the Apostle Paul, Saul of Tarsus. That's what he was known for, is persecuting those who were followers of the way, who believed a certain way, who lived a certain way. They were followers of Jesus, and he persecuted them because he believed that it was heresy. And he said he did that in ignorance. In other words, it wasn't malicious. He was malicious in carrying it out, but he really thought he was doing the right thing. You see, just because you're sincere and believe that you're doing the right thing doesn't mean that you are. The book of Proverbs says, There is a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof is death. And so we have to always base our belief system based upon the scriptures, not upon rituals that are associated with the scriptures, not with commentary, which is what the Mishnah and the Gemara was. Now, great commentary it was, distinguished commentary it was, but no true Jewish believer even during the days that understood that salvation was by faith, but never by keeping the law, that the blood of bulls and goats could never take away sin. Only the blood of Messiah could do that. When you have lived a certain way for so long, then it is very difficult when times get rough not to revert. Once you've converted, it is very difficult not to recant and revert to your former lifestyle during the times of great persecution. Many who are listening to this in the United States have never undergone persecution. But if you were in a Muslim country today, if you were in a communist country today and your faith would cost you your life, would cost your wife's life, your children's life, they would be tortured, they would be brutalized, then it might cause you to have second thoughts about the reality of what you believe. And so all to say, let's not be judgmental toward these Jewish believers who were truly Jewish believers, but they were being tempted to turn back to the elemental things, that is, of these rituals and washings and so forth. And if you'll recall, the Apostle Paul said to the Galatians that even Peter, even Peter and Barnabas were caught up in this, that they were doing what believers in Jesus should do. They were looking at people, not whether they were Jew or Gentile, but as people for whom Jesus died, that when people came from Jerusalem that were strong in Jewish tradition, that Peter got carried away and started separating himself from Gentiles. And so much influence did he have that he even got Barnabas caught up in it. And Paul had to rebuke him openly and publicly before the believers, lest they take that as a means themselves and justification for turning back.
And so as we go through the book of Hebrews, you're going to see that God sets the pattern early in chapter 1. And I just want to get into the chapter today, and we'll be going back and forth between the chapters and the days ahead. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers, he did it by prophets, he did it through the word of God, he did it through signs, he did it through all kinds of manifestations, even through symbols and foreshadowing. And he spoke very directly through the prophets. But in the last days in which Paul was living, Luke was living, Peter was living, that is what we've already discussed in these last days since the birth of Jesus, since his perfected life, lived a perfect life, died in submission to his father to pay the penalty for sins, to be a substitute for us who had no sin, but he died to pay for our sins, was buried, and after three days he rose from the dead. It says that God in these last days has spoken to us by son. Now it says his son, and yes, it is his son, but what he's doing is he's saying that God spoke in these various and sundry ways to the fathers by the prophets, but in this last day, he has not spoken by prophet, by sign, by miracle. He has spoken by son. Jesus is the highest revelation of who God is. This is why John, the beloved apostle, said, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then he talked about his creative ability and that he is the creator of everything, and there was not one thing that was created that was not made by this Word. He created all things, and everything holds together and consists by him. Then he says in verse 12, he came into his own, And his own received him not, but as many as received him, to them gave he the right, the privilege, the prerogative to become the children of God, the born ones of God, even to those who trust in his name, who believe in his name. And the scripture says in verse 14, and the word, this word that is God, the word that was God, is God, shall be God, this creator God, the word became flesh. That was the Latin word incarnate. He became flesh and he dwelt, he tabernacled among us so that we could see him, touch him, feel him, hear him. All of these sensory words John talks about in 1 John chapter 1. But he says, and the word became flesh, this creator became flesh and he dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. The glory as of the monogenes, the one-of-a-kind son. Mono is one as in only. And then genes is the word genes, gene, G-E-N-E. The monogenes, the one-of-a-kind gene. In other words, he was the only person that ever lived or will ever live that had God as his father and an earthly mother. He got his humanity, his DNA as a man from his mother, and he had the DNA of God himself. He wasn't just man. He wasn't just God. He was 100% God and 100% man. And the Bible says this creator God, that nothing was created without him, who is 
God himself became flesh and dwelled among us, and we saw the glory of God in the person of Jesus Christ. And it says he was the only begotten of God. And then it goes on to talk about John in verses 15, 16, and 17. And then in verse 18 of the Gospel of John chapter 1, he says, Now no man has seen God at any time. Now what does that mean? Does that mean that God did not appear through theophanies, God appearances, Christophanies, the Son of God appearing in ancient times? No, that's not what it says at all. No man has seen God. Why? Because God is spirit. This is what Jesus said in John chapter 4 when he was talking with the woman of Samaria by the well of Jacob at Sychar outside of Shechem. And so here is what John said. No man has seen God at any time. You can't see a spirit. This is what he was telling Nicodemus in John chapter 3. No man can see the wind. You cannot see the spirit. For it says, no man has seen God at any time, John 1.18. But the monogenes, who is this creator who became flesh, this is Jesus. No man has seen God at any time, but this monogenes has come to declare him, to explain him. The word is exegesis, to exegete him. In other words, if you want to know what God is like, then you look at Jesus. If you want to know what God would do, see what Jesus did. Not what you think he would do, not what you believe he would do, but what he actually did. That's the basis of our actions is what he did and what he said to do. No man has seen God at any time, but the only begotten, the one of a kind son, the monogenes, has come to explain him. You see, no man has ever been born like Jesus. No man ever grew up like Jesus. No man ever taught like Jesus. No man ever did miracles like Jesus. No man ever healed the sick, caused the lame to walk, the blind to see, the deaf to hear, the mute to speak. No man ever walked on water like he did. No man ever did what he did. No man ever died like he did. No man ever was buried and rose from the dead like he did. You say, wait just a minute. There were other resurrections. Oh, but no man ever was resurrected, never to die again. Jesus was the first. This is what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15. One of the advantages of getting toward the end of the book, having started the beginning, is we're reading, as Paul Harvey would say, the rest of the story. So as we read through the book of Hebrews, we're going to find out that Jesus is above any angel, any prophecy any system of worship, any angel, any covenant, that he is God walking, God talking, God living in us through the Holy Spirit. For On The Way, this is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On The Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.